Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're talking about training without training. I am your host, Michael Aceta, owner of Matador Canine Brilliance and the host of Acknowledged Dogs podcast. We're talking about three main things today. Unintentional behaviors, natural training, and automatic behaviors. Those three things we're diving into right now. So the art of training without training. Bruce Lee once stated that it was the art of fighting without fighting. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, but essentially he goes on to talk about how if you're truly a master of something, you're not necessarily thinking about it. It's so fluent. It's so effortless that you can just kind of enjoy being and enjoy the dance, if you will. And it's not really a fight. It's the art of fighting without fighting. It also has another side to it. So instead of just fighting with somebody, throwing kicks and punches, he would dance around. He would kind of move. He would manipulate the situation to where he didn't really have to fight. He could evade. He could block. He could get out of the way faster than they could hit him. And so he was fighting without actually fighting. How does that relate to dog training? Well, it's the art of training without really training. And there's three categories to it. The unintentional behaviors, the natural training is what I'm going to quote, call it the natural training. And then we have automatic behaviors. So first, let's talk about unintentional behaviors. Unintentional behaviors are the ones that you don't actually go about training. They just kind of happen in life, whether they are natural behaviors that our dogs learn through biological props, uh, purposes or through just the natural occurrences of life, right? There's five influences behavior, which we've talked about a whole bunch on the podcast. We have genetics, chemistry, health, um, early experiences, and adult learning. Adult learning is all that training. So there's really four out of five that are training without training, right? Genetics, chemistry. Those are the dogs that like to herd or to bite or to chase or to bark. That's training without training. Those are natural behaviors. Those are unintentional behaviors. You didn't go about teaching them. They've just kind of happened. Now, there's other unintentional behaviors, ones that you don't set out to train like barking at guests or jumping up on people. You didn't train those, but somewhere along the line, they got trained into the routine. Okay, Dogs that panic and start to freak out when you put your keys in your pocket and your shoes on and you put your jacket on, that is an unintentional behavior. They're panicking because they've been trained for that to happen. They know when you put your keys in your pocket and your jacket on and your hat on that you're going to leave. They just know that. That's, that's a part of it. So it's unintentional. You didn't go about teaching them that process. You didn't go about teaching them, okay, well, I'm going to teach you to get all excited when I leave. Sometimes this can accidentally look like a very well-behaved dog. What do I mean by that? If unintentionally, you taught your dog to sit on the couch with you because every time you sat down on the couch, you invited them on up. This teaches them to jump up when you sit down, right? What does that look like? Oh, well, my dog loves sitting on the couch with me, which may be true. Okay. You sit on the couch, they jump onto you. It feels nice. You're like, oh, we get to cuddle. But you didn't intentionally go about teaching it. And some of you might be thinking, well, why would I go about teaching my dog how to do that? That makes absolutely no sense. Well, some people do. I, for one, did. I taught my dogs that when I sat down and I invited them on, that they can jump on. If I didn't want them on the couch, I just simply wouldn't invite them. But it can become an unintentional behavior. So when you sit down and they jump up and you didn't want them to, now you get mad because it's like, well, I didn't invite you up. But they're just out of habit. They do it. So you can flip this and you can make it intentional. 
you can, instead of waiting for them to figure out what the behavior is, you can be the cause of the behavior. So you sit down and you tell them to lay on the floor. Or you can sit down and invite them on up to the couch. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You can actually take control and make an, an intentional behavior instead of waiting it for them, instead of waiting for it to be an unintentional behavior. Okay. What are other examples of unintentional behaviors? Jumping up on people. Person comes into the door. Your dog happens to jump up because they're excited. The person then pets the dog. You didn't intend on teaching that behavior. You didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to teach my dog to jump on people as a nice little greeting. It was unintentional behavior that just happened to happen. Okay, pulling towards something and then getting rewarded for pulling. Think about dogs that like to mark. They pull, 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 like get to the thing that they want. They then sniff and then they mark. That's an unintentional behavior. It accidentally got rewarded in the environment. You had no control over it. You did not teach them to go sniff onto a pole and then go to the bathroom on the pole. In fact, you would probably prefer them not to do it, especially when you're walking and you don't want to get dragged everywhere. So those are unintentional behaviors. You did not set out to teach them. They just kind of happened. So let's shift into natural training. Now, remember, we're talking about training without training, training without training. This is where natural training comes in. And I put quotes around natural training because it's not really natural. You kind of have to think about it. But if you're really good at this, and this is what Bruce Lee was talking about, you're not thinking. The better you get at training, the less thinking you have to do. Just like if you were to learn anything else. Think about driving. First time you sat in the car, there was a lot going through your mind. Okay, I got to press the brake. I got to press the gas. I can't press the gas too hard. Otherwise, now I got to slam on the brake and I got to turn the wheel at the right time. And I got to watch the mirrors and I got to watch the person sitting next to me who's now freaking out and and panicking and all over the place. So, you know, what am I going to do? It's all over the place, right? And, And you have no idea what you're doing. Now, you've been driving for a couple of years. Life is good. The only time you really have to think about driving is if you're in a new spot. You don't know where you're going, right? You're unsocialized or generalized to that area. Same thing happens with dogs. You have to think about what you're doing or you're in a car that's unfamiliar to you. So instead of driving in a sedan, you're now driving in a truck. It would probably help when you first learn how to drive to actually drive in all these different types of vehicles, which is what I did. I drove in an SUV. I drove in a sedan. I drove in a truck. I got my van certification while I was in college. So I drove all these different vehicles. I even learned how to drive a forklift just for fun. So all those different things helped me generalize driving when I got into any new car, but that's a topic for another day. So as you do something, you get better at it. It becomes more fluent. You're not really thinking about it. So when you're training all the time and you're thinking about training all the time, you no longer have to think about training. And I know that sounds weird, but that's the training without training. So when I go to walk my dogs, let's say, I don't just 
go up to the door and think, oh my gosh, I got, okay, I'm going to grab treats. I'm going to put my dog into a sit. Now I'm going to open up the door because they sat great, awesome, good. I'm going to mark the behavior and then we're going to go outside. No, that just kind of naturally happens. I go up to the door, they sit because they're accustomed to it. I open up the door, they wait for me to walk outside then invite them out. Boom, done. It was a natural training session that I didn't have to really do anything for. Super simple. Same thing with breakfast and dinner. Same thing with you know, going for a walk, letting your dog off the leash. That's a huge one. Nobody really thinks about that much. So that's a natural training event. It can be an unintentional behavior, right? These all kind of go together. This is training without training. So we're not setting aside a particular training session. But here, if I were to take my dog off leash, I just unclip the leash and I pull the leash off. My dog hears the click to unleash and they run away. Now what happens? Now I got to go get them, bring them back right? Or if it's a safe environment, okay, fine, they can go run around. But what did they learn? Every time I hear that sound, I get freedom. So they're going to be looking forward to that sound over and over again. And the second they hear it, they're going to try to run away. So what I often do, and again, this is a natural training thing, I'm not thinking about it, I'll just click the leash a bunch of times before I actually let my dog go. Random amount of times, doesn't matter. It's three times, five times, 10 times, sometimes I'll do once, sometimes I'll just let them go right away. But because they're accustomed to, oh, well, I heard that sound and it really doesn't mean anything on a daily level, they're not really thinking about it. Okay? Think about a fire alarm if the fire alarm's always going off in your house. In my house, the fire alarm goes off constantly. It's because my dad likes to use the, the wok. And so it gets a lot of steam and you, you, you're flipping it and the fire is going and it's a lot of fun. And now he has a vent, so it doesn't create as much smoke. But as a kid, it did. And for a number of years, I ran to the front door. I waited. I started yelling at everybody. I was like, let's get to the door. Let's get to the door. And it just became a natural occurrence. I'm like, All right, the fire alarm's going off. And nobody else panicked. So I stopped panicking until I got much older and I was an RA and fires happened very regularly and I had to get people out of the building. But that is a form of habituation. You just get it used to the environment. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is the natural training that can happen in any given environment when you don't set up a training session. You don't set up the training session to deal with the environmental behavior itself. And I know that sounds confusing. You're, just, you're not setting up a training session to deal with it or teach that behavior. You're working on the behavior every single day, all the time, throughout you know, the, the day throughout the week. You're not thinking about it. This is what people mean when they say, oh, just train five minutes a day. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes a day, an obedience routine, a focus routine, get in the car, go down to the park, do this, that, and the third. That's not what it has to be. It's just do five, 10 minutes a day. Don't really think about training. And it's a lot easier the more training you do. As you get good at it, you're not thinking about the training. And it, you, you actually end up doing more training throughout the day than you would anticipate. You're like, oh, I did a, a lot of training today. One of my favorite things to tell clients, get a mason jar, small little mason jar, two cup mason jar, put your dog's food in there for the day. If it's kibble, it's a lot easier than raw food, but put their food in there for the day. And every time you see it or you think about it, grab a couple pieces of kibble, do something small with your dog. That's natural training. It just happens throughout the day. You're not thinking about it. Not a dedicated session. Okay. I think we have <laughs> locked down natural training <laughs> a lot. Let's talk about one of my favorite types of training. It's called automatic behaviors. This is training without training. Now, this does require some prep work. And this is where I think Bruce Lee 
had a very solid foundation of training without training. Training without training doesn't mean you don't train. Training without training means you do so much training. Um, he said fighting without fighting, not training without training. So fighting without fighting. He's saying you're so good at fighting. You're not fighting anymore. It's not a struggle. Right? Fight is a struggle by definition to, to overcome some kind of obstacle or force or fighting over it. So in fighting without fighting, you're no longer struggling. You're no longer pushing to get to the other side of something. You just simply exist and you're like, okay, cool. So if you do enough training in the beginning, you don't have to fight when the struggle comes. I'll tell you a quick story. A good friend of mine, his name is John. He is a third degree or fourth degree black belt now. At the time of this story, he was not a black belt. No, no, he was. He was a second degree black belt. He was going for his third degree black belt test. I could be wrong. John, if you're watching or if you're listening, please correct me. It was either his second degree black belt test or his third. And he was overprepared. At the end of the test, he told the sensei, who had given him his second or third degree black belt, said, you earned it. Here is your black belt. He said, I don't think I earned it. And he wanted to give it back. And the sensei said, what are you talking about? And he had said, well, it really wasn't a challenge. This, this earning really wasn't a challenge for me. So I don't think I earned it. This test really wasn't a challenge for me. I don't think I earned it. And he said, this test is among one of the hardest possible. You were just so prepared that it didn't affect you the same way it affected everybody else. The other two participants in the test were completely floored by the end of it. And he was totally fine. So he was so prepared that it was easy. Same thing can happen with training. If you prep everything before we get to the need to use it, it becomes an automatic behavior. Automatic behaviors are among my favorite things to teach a dog. It makes everything easier for the dog. It makes everything easy for you. And if you go through the whole process of teaching it, you don't need rewards, actually, because the natural occurrences will be the reward. Let's use the door example. Walking up to the door, I spend time teaching my dog that when I touch the handle of the door, he's going to sit. That's an automatic behavior. Now, I say automatic behavior, but it's also just teaching a nonverbal cue to a behavior. Okay, that's the technical kind of way to put it. It's a nonverbal cue to a behavior. The cue is I touch the handle of the door, my dog sits. Repeat that over and over and over and over and over again until every time I touch the door handle, my dog automatically sits. That just becomes memory. Boom, ah, dad touched the handle, I'm going to sit. Sometimes we go out, sometimes we don't, but every time dad touches the handle, I'm going to sit. Sometimes I get a reward, sometimes I don't. We're just going to keep going back and forth, right? So that's an automatic behavior. At some point, I don't have to do anything anymore. There's nothing I have to do. Same thing with my dogs moving out of the way. Now, some people would say, oh, well, you know, you're developing dominance over your dog when you push them out of the way and you teach them that, you know, you're not going to move your path. They have to move their path. That's baloney, in my opinion. Really, what happens is your dog learns an automatic behavior to a nonverbal cue. Ooh, dad's coming this way. I'm going to move out of his way. And if I move out of his way, I, one, avoid getting kicked, you know, if, if you're going that route. Uh, I avoid getting yelled at or I get praised for, ooh, thanks, you know, you got out of my way. So that's what happens with my dogs. If I walk and they're in front of me and I just don't see them, let's say I'm carrying a laundry basket or something, which typically happens on an average day, I'll hold the basket or a bin or something and I'm just not paying attention to them because I know they're going to move. They move out of the way. I say, thank you, buddy. And that has become praise to them to the point where they're no longer 
worried about being in my way, they'd actually rather get out of my way, which is great. It's an automatic behavior. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to prompt them in any way with a lure or a hand motion or or literally anything. There's, there's no prompt besides the natural act that's going to happen. So this goes into the ABC triangle. Now I've talked about the ABC triangle on other podcast episodes, so I'll briefly go over it here. ABC, antecedent behavior, consequence slash cookie. You could use either or, consequence slash cookie. Consequence is just what happens after a behavior. Antecedent is just the thing that prompts a behavior or starts the behavior. So if you can identify a natural antecedent, an antecedent that happens naturally in the environment, and you can take that and mold it to be the cue for this new behavior that you want, the consequence can remain the same, okay? Or can be changed via rewards and variable schedules and that kind of thing. So let's say, let's come up with an example here. Let's say I have a dog walking. Okay, we're going for a nice little walk. And on our walk, we see a person. This is now an antecedent. The person is the antecedent. That's the excitement. That's the stimulus. What is the natural behavior my dog might do? Get excited. Okay, cool. We have a baseline. What is the consequence of getting excited? The consequence of getting excited is getting to see that person, getting to say hi. If I can change the behavior without changing anything else, I don't say anything, I don't correct them, I don't reward them differently, nothing else. I just change the behavior. What do you think is going to happen? My dog's then going to substitute this new behavior for the old behavior, and it becomes an automatic response, an automatic behavior. They see a person, they're going to do this new behavior. This new behavior might just be sit. This is what we did with Tommy. So Tommy loves people. And when I say loves people, I mean he will tackle you to the ground. He absolutely loves people. So we would start 100 feet away. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy, but we had to start that far away. He, he would literally tackle you to the ground. So we started 100 feet away and I had a really, really long leash and I just put him into a sit and I didn't say anything. I just waited for him to sit. He already knew it. So it was on his repertoire of behaviors to try in order to get some kind of result. And so he did a bunch of sits. I marked the second he sat and I said, go say hi. And I just let him go say hi. This happened over and over and over and over again. Eventually, we started to work on different reward schedules. So sometimes he got to say hi and sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he got to say hi, sometimes he didn't. Over, back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes he didn't say hi a couple times and then he would get to. Sometimes he got to say hi a couple times in a row. So he never knew. But the only thing that was consistent was if I sit. The probability of going to say hi was pretty high. He just had to keep trying. He had to stay patient and he had to listen to this conditioned behavior, this automatic response. The stimulus was there. The person was there every single time he got excited. All I did was change the behavior in between and I kept the reward the same. The reward was if you do this behavior, you get to say hi to the person. I didn't have to carry treats. I didn't have to carry toys. I didn't have to praise him. I didn't have to say a word. This is an automatic behavior that just gets built into the environment and the situation that we're training in, which is huge. It's huge. No longer did I have to bring treats on walks with me. No longer did I have to struggle with him. No longer did I have to, you know, 
be tempted by the outside world saying, oh, that dog can't listen and you, you got to do this and you got to correct him and he's just, you're not showing him you're a leader. No, I didn't have to do all that because that wasn't going to help him. What was going to help him was to learn the right thing to do, not that people were bad. If I made a bad association of people, that's also an automatic response or an automatic behavior. Now, that kind of stems into different forms of aggression, but let's just say our Let's just say, as an example, if your dog was shy of people, okay, and the person comes up, dog gets shy, cowers behind you, and the person backs off a little bit. That is an automatic behavior that gets rewarded without you doing anything, saying anything, rewarding, or punishing anything else. You have done nothing, but the dog's behavior, as a result of the person, caused some kind of antecedent. This is just a natural response. It's automatic behavior. So how could you change this? Well, because we're talking about emotion, it would be a little difficult. You don't want to change emotion in this kind of way. You would reward emotion and build a positive association. But for sake of example, you would teach them that cowering away isn't what makes the person go away because that's the reward, right? They want the person to go away. It could backfire on you because if it, they're not Getting the person to go away by calming down, they might explicit some kind of aggression, which could happen if you are working on bite work, which fear and pain-induced aggression is an outdated method, and I do not recommend by any means. What I'm simply saying is you can control the behavior in response to a particular cue and keep the consequence the exact same, and you are training without training. These are automatic behaviors. Let's think of another one. If I hold up my dog's collar and he puts his head through the collar without me saying anything, is that an automatic behavior? Yeah. I have not had to add anything else besides prep work, besides the training that gets us into that position to be able to do that. I haven't had to do anything else. I haven't had to cue him with verbal. I haven't had to lure him with a treat. I haven't had to try to even put it on him. He put it on himself. I knew a dog. His name was Chemo. love Chemo. He was a... Um, Police dog, fully trained. Then they found out that he had a heart murmur, so he couldn't be on the force because of health reasons, so they took him off. My professor in college, Dr. Stephen McKenzie, rest in peace, um, he was a fantastic dog. And my professor took him in, and we were able to learn from him as a police dog in the university. So if you held up his collar, you better be prepared because he was going to shove his head through and immediately go searching. He knew that that collar meant he was going to search for something, and he was very excited to do it. So that's an automatic behavior. You don't have to prompt him. You don't have to say anything. You've spent the time teaching him that this nonverbal cue tells him exactly what he needs to do. Let's think of another example, walking on leash. If I stop moving and my dog stops moving, great. I can mark and reward that. It's an automatic behavior. What does that start to teach the dog? As I move, move with me. As I stop, stop with me. As I slow down, slow down with me. As I speed up, speed up with me. This means you don't have to say heal. You don't have to say stay with me. You don't have to get their name, attention. Nothing else besides teaching your dog that the different paces that you walk at, they should pay attention to. And if they pay attention long enough, they'll get a reward. That's insanely different than trying to force your dog to stay in heel position with you or force them to focus on you instead of anything else. It's a very different ball game. Teaching my dog to actually pay attention because there's opportunity for reward if they do pay attention 
to the subtle cues that I give off on my body that they can pick up on. I don't have to make a big deal out of it. Yes, we like verbal cues because they're very clear and concise. But if you can make other cues clear and concise, if you can set the foundation right, if you can have a lot of prep work to set them up for success, there's no need to really add in a cue. That is training without training. Thank you for tuning in for the podcast today. I greatly appreciate it. If you follow us on social media, thank you. Please share, like, and comment with other questions and topics you'd love to hear on the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed the podcast, let me know on social media and share with friends and family who might benefit from it. Big news coming up on February 5th. We have a book coming out. It's called The Dog Training Cheat Codes. I wrote it myself, so I'm a little biased. If you want to be on the list to get one of the first copies, please head over to matadorcanine.com and sign up so that you do not miss the opportunity to get a fresh first copy of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.